Hey there, it's Chris McKay, and welcome to another edition of the Hot Country Podcast, where I interview the singers and the songwriters from the 80s and the 90s. The Hot Country Podcast, being brought to you in part by Passport America, the original and world's largest 50% discount camping club, and by Surfshark, where with just one account, you can protect your entire family with the best VPN and unlimited devices for just about seven cents per day. For more information on these and other sponsors, visit HotCountryPodcast.com. When we return, it's ACM Award winner Jeff Carson on the Hot Country Podcast. I welcome to the microphone Jeff Carson. Good morning. Yay! Hey, Chris, man. 25 years, a quarter of a century. Can you believe that? I'm going back to your first release, Yeah, Buddy. That was your first release. Never really hit the top 40. But we loved spinning it back then, and then it was you know, it, it, it got my name out there. It was uh, it got in the '60s on the chart, so no one was real excited about it, other than me. Man, that was my first. I don't care if it, it, it charted. It's it, you know it had a number beside it, so that was uh, I was still happy, and um, it set up the next one well. It did indeed, and I know you've said it only hit number sixty. We played it in rotation, just like we would any other top forty song. And then we put it in gold. See, and that's 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 what's cool because people like you spin it, and you know, people in the in towns and cities uh, they don't realize what a song is doing on the chart. A lot of times, all they know is you heard a song and they like it. So, heck, that's wonderful. But Jeff, you made right. some some really nice, uh, well put together, fun videos. Um, yeah, buddy, was a fun video to not only listen to but to actually watch. Yeah, I mean, we uh, did that. Uh, somewhere I think it's Murfreesboro, Tennessee. He went to some little club, and and they, they, all the people in there uh, were were of course hired extras. And, but we all got along so well. They were a bunch of real nice people. Part of the the concept behind the highway station, where a lot of people don't understand. I was one of those guys that programmed a radio station like a listener, not program a radio station like a program director. So if the audience awesome. liked the song. You play it. And we had people. Right. I'm going to mention a couple of names a lot of people still don't know, but were part of the basic library. And if you were to talk about Steve Azar, if you were to talk about Chris LeDoux, if you were to talk about Rich McCree. Oh, my gosh. So you take, and and one of your buddies, Daryl Singletary, who I love, he was also one of those people that the listeners enjoyed hearing, and the listeners bought records back then. They enjoyed it, and yeah. Jeff Carson is right there with that. The the Hal Ketchums and the and the Colin Rays, where they're not the A listers, but man, they're doing great on the radio and they're doing great in record sales. So you were right there. Yeah, it's 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 a wonderful thing. I, I can't believe twenty five years we're talking about. It. And you know, sad thing is too. You know, you mentioned two artists there when you're rattling off artists that that aren't with us anymore. And that that you know, it just goes with time passing and. Uh, but man, I it I'm I couldn't tell you how happy I am to to be back on the radio with any any chart success at all. Much getting much less getting the top forty. I'm so happy. When you play a, a song by Jeff Carson, if I said, "Oh, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna play Jeff Carson today," or I'll interview Jeff Carson today, they go, "Who?" And then yeah. and then you play the record, and they go, "I know that song." It's one of those where a lot of people, yeah. I, they just don't put the name and the music together, but once you bring them both in line, it's it's like again old friends, and and what I love, yeah, uh, twenty five years, and and let's face facts here, 
Uh, I believe the club was called the Temecula Stampede. And that's where... Around California. Yeah. And we got ourselves in a whole, whole lot of trouble. But it's yeah, I don't remember that at all. But I still have the photo of us looking like two kids (laughs) that got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. You know what? It's good to know that we got in trouble, Uh and it's probably best we don't remember what it was. Yeah, Uh, I know. There's a lot I don't remember from that back in those days. (laughs) I'm not talking about any uh, taking indulgence or anything. I'm not meaning that. I just mean it was. It was so much of those years were a blur. I remember going to to places and doing a setting up doing a sound check to uh, walking back to the dress find the dressing room and see where i'd sign the wall and i, I had no recollection of being there it's crazy just as a, a brief history for those that have tuned in and, and are trying to figure out who i'm talking about uh jeff carson got signed up with curb records back in was that 94 or 95 94 yeah yeah so it was it was quite a while ago you hit the billboard charts that we were talking about earlier your song, Yeah, Buddy, which got your feet wet. But I'd like to talk about, before we go into current Jeff Carson, let's go back a few years. Uh, understanding uh, being a musician in Branson and going through all the things that you had to do. Absolutely. That's what I did, man. I moved here to Nashville. You know, uh, if it wasn't for my wife, Kim, kind of pushed me, I, I probably wouldn't have made the move. She believed in me. And, and uh, so we moved out here and I didn't know a soul. Uh, she knew a couple of friends of hers were playing out the Opryland Hotel that she went to school in Texas with. Um, and she called them to say hi. They asked what, what I was doing, uh, what her husband was doing. We hadn't met. And, and uh, I've been playing bass guitar with a group there in Branson, like you mentioned, and they just happened to start looking for a bass player. So for someone just to move to Nashville and they were playing at the Opryland Hotel on a regular basis, to pick up a playing gig at somewhere nice like the Opryland Hotel instantly almost after moving, that that was a blessing enough. And then got to uh, do some open mic nights in, around town where you just step up and sing and got to know songwriters who used me for their demos. And, and that just kind of mushroomed out because they that songwriter might have a, a songwriting buddy who co-wrote a song that you sung. And then next time he uses you because he likes you on his stuff that you did on the other session. So it just kind of mushroomed out, and that that was a good line of work singing demos for a long time. And then being, of course, then picked up by by Curb Records, uh, who were again Curb was kind of instrumental with a lot of artists who were coming up. But yeah. the, they really had a good promotions and marketing team that got their their artists out in the limelight. So that had to help you for your debut album. And then with the hits that you had, I love country songwriters. I think there's just something. If if somebody were to ask me who I'd like to sit down and just watch work, not even talk to him, just watch him, I think Dean Dillon, Mac McAnally, uh, Mark, oh, man. Mark Miller from Sawyer Brown, any of those guys, yeah. I would just love to sit down and just watch them go to work. Old friend Joe Diffie uh, had uh, Tony Martin write Third Rock from the Sun, and then you had what uh, he also wrote uh, for Tim McGraw, uh, uh, Keith Urban, uh, Sarah Evans, and then the people that wrote for you and the songs that you found, that's like that's what I'd like to get into. What You had 14 singles hit the Billboard country charts. You had number mm. one, Not On Your Love. So uh, let's that, talk. That's the Tony Martin song as well. It is indeed. That's the, the neat little segue there. So tell me about it. What caught your eye on the lyrics of Not On Your Love that made you pick that up and run with it? 
Well, it was it was uh, that was a demo I sang. Tony Martin, Troy Martin, and Reese Wilson wrote it and uh, had me come in there and sing the demo. Uh, I I don't know the melodic, the the the, the music, the chord progression, the 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 words, of course. Just I liked everything about that song, and I remember coming out of the recording studio when I when we finished and putting background vocals on it, and I came in there to the control room. Uh, and I said, guys, if I ever get a record deal, I'd like to record this song. Isn't that crazy? And look what it did. It got you number one. Man. There you go, down in memory lane. How about probably the one that really brought people, uh, to, to some people, some tears? Uh, the car. What what made you grab that mm-hmm. one? Uh, the lyrics, man. Um Gary Heidi and Michael Spriggs wrote this song. They were friends of mine. And uh, when I was looking for songs, I'd just gotten signed to Curb Records, like you mentioned. Uh, and what happens is your name goes out around town on a what's called a pitch sheet, where where um, songwriters and uh, publishing companies uh, gather songs together uh, to fit whatever kind of music you like. And I love, you know, I love the... Uh, uh, I love good sentimental ballads, a good story ballad, and fun up tempos. So uh, Gary and Michael gave me this song on a cassette. That was an old format back in those days. (laughs) (laughs) But but this song, I I put it, I remember I was sitting on the couch up in the bonus room, and I I put on my headphones, and I was listening to all these cassettes. And I saw this one that Gary and Michael uh, pitched me, just, you know, personally gave to me. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize they were the writers. They were, they were friends of mine and I knew they wrote, but I didn't know. And later on, I found out all the success they had from earlier songs. And I wasn't expecting much and I put it in, man, it had me from the, the very first verse. It had me, man. And I, uh, I remember Kim coming up the stairs and, and <laughs> I, I had a tear in my eye from that song, man. She said, what's wrong? I said, man, it's this song. You got to hear it. So the car segues you to, Holding on to something, which is another top yeah. ten hit. Yeah, um, that was uh, that was other than yeah, buddy. That was my first up tempo song that was released, and uh, yeah, it was fun. It was fun to have an up tempo on because you you do a lot of live shows and you hit the road. And some of those fairs and festivals don't lend themselves well to to ballad after ballad. People get tired. <laughs> so <laughs> it's great for a, a a movie theater kind of format. That kind of but. Uh, and so it's fun to have a an up tempo uh, song released. John Michael Montgomery also cut it about the same time, and uh, I remember we we did a show together somewhere. I went on his bus and we were talking, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, I know you recorded holding on to something. Are you gonna Are you planning on releasing that as a single?" He said, "No, I don't think so." And I said, "Well, good because we are." <laughs> and look what happened. Yeah. Next down the list was real life. Tell me about that one. Yeah, uh, I had my career has really just kind of been on the wane for a number of years. I hadn't had anything released as a single. It was really struggling, and I I remember saying to myself, "Man, if I if I ever get another song that does well, I'm I'm gonna really gonna drink it and take it in and soak it up." Not that I didn't on the first rounds with the other earlier songs, but I don't think until I had that round of hard times that I realized what a feat it was to have a song do as well 
And um, so I made myself a promise I would really take full advantage of remembering and taking in all the memories. And I did. Yeah, it got up to number 14. It was it was moving up week after week. I just could not believe after all those years, you know, probably four or five years that, that I was going to have that I had something in the top 20 again. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was kind of, um, I was going to have my very first album release party for real life for that album. Uh, I'd never had an album release party and it was set for the morning of September 11th. Mm. Yeah. And, and, uh, of course that's, that, that was, that was the last of my career. Um, yeah, man, please, whoever, whoever's listening, don't do not take this as though, I'm doing a poor little me because of <laughs> September 11th. That's that. That's not even not even close. But I'm just saying, the the events that happened that day, just uh, you know, that that was the end of it. When people talk about 9/11, the impact that it had across the country on people's lives, those that were involved, uh, those that lost their life, all the heroes that we mm-hmm. had, and then you you yeah. will always remember where you were and what you were doing. This is where I step aside and I take off my cowboy hat and I give you the nod, if you don't mind, and I say, thank you for your service. You left country music and went into your other passion as a peace officer. Well, thanks, Chris. You know, it, 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 wasn't, it wasn't a choice. Hey, it, it was a had to. Man, I had a, I had a newborn son born in 03, and I, the, there was just no relief inside as far as making a living playing music anymore. And uh, as much as I hated it, I knew I, I had to provide better for my family. And I uh, stepped aside. And, uh, yeah, the only other thing I wanted to do all my life was be a cop. So at the at the tender age of 44, I got <laughs> hired and went to the police academy. And, and uh, yeah, I've been, been a police officer now for about 13 years. Amazing. Thank you for your service. It's great that we have oh, our, our, our boys in blue, and, and it's just something that warmed my heart when I found out where Jeff Carson went and what he was doing. And, and the cool thing is you kind of stayed in touch with your, your fan base. And back then, social media really wasn't what it is. I mean, I, I wish I could remember. What was around before Facebook? Was it there, there was some kind of music? It was my, my MySpace. MySpace. So you had the opportunity. It's kind of funny. It kind of makes me a voyeur, doesn't it? Because I'm always peeking in on you and wondering, okay, what's Jeff doing now? Creepy. Yeah, I know. And it, that social media, is, this is the good side of social media, is staying in contact with the people that you admire or people that you just want to know what they're up to and how they're doing. So I do have to tell you something, Jeff. I know you and I did two or three interviews prior to you coming to town. And then, of course, our, our concert together, which what, you did a great show. You filled the hall. But I have to tell you, I've done, I've done dozens and dozens and dozens of interviews. And there's something about you, the, the two or three that we did, the one we're doing now, and, and even in that little circle of doing radio interviews, you're right up there with, and, and I'll, I'll humble you here for a minute, you're right up there with Vince Gill, Colin Ray, Travis Tritt, Randy Travis, Garth Brooks, where you just have this graciousness about you, this kindness about you, where you... Uh, let's go back to the Smothers Brothers where I'd say mom always liked you best. You always made people feel that they were part of your inner circle. And I think that's, um, 
If I can leave the script for just a moment and ask you a question, and I don't mean to throw you a curveball, what would Jeff Carson want to talk about? After all the interviews I've seen, I mean, you have one that I love that's still on YouTube with uh, Bob Eubanks. Um, and you can just see the oh, way yeah. you're just sitting there after singing your song. I believe it was the car. And you could just tell you were more impressed that you were talking to Bob Eubanks than vice versa. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I grew up, grew up watching him on the, uh, the newlywed game. And yeah, that was awesome when he hosted that show back in those days. So if what I, were, I want to talk about, yeah, what, what is it know. that makes, what is it that makes, what is it that makes Jeff, Jeff? Is it, is it family? Is it music? Is it faith? What is it that makes Jeff tick? Well, it's, it's always been about family. I, man, I, my son now, the one I just talked about having to walk away from music, he's a junior in high school now, 17 years old. Uh, it's it's unbelievable how fast time flies. Family is, you know, family, God, and country. It's, it's, uh, family is uh, means everything to me. Family is good. Career is still good. And then let's catch up to current day, shall we? And you record a song uh, for a compilation uh, CD, um, God Save Us All. And here we are at the time of this recording, a resurgence of the song is back on the charts. Tell me about that. Well, uh, when I was with Curb, I, I went in and actually sung God Save the World as a demo. It was just me and a keyboard player, a piano player. And um, uh, Curb later uh, brought in players and Lisa Brokop and mm. uh, and made a whole full-blown song out of it. I didn't know they were even doing that. Uh, so it was on an earlier Curb album. Um, when I got with MC1 Music uh, less than a year ago, uh, they were familiar with that song and thought, you know, it fits the times well uh, from what was going on with all the rioting and the, just the unrest. And um, so we went in and re-recorded that one. Couldn't get Lisa broke up. You know, it was just it was it's a difference, a different feel, a different uh, instrumentation, a little bit, but it's still the same song. It's a wonderful song. When you when you walk through your history of the people you're holding hands with and the people that were part of that inner circle, one of the things that kind of interested me the most was understanding the road tour you took. It was oh, Red that... Aikens, Daryl Singletary, and myself. It was a honky tonk tailgate tour. And how how many shows did you guys end up doing? Oh my gosh, I don't know, man. It, it had been a few years since I was really hitting it heavy on the road, and when we got together. Yeah, it was a great concept. You know, we were, we were all at that era of our career where, you know, the time you pay band members, a bus, a driver, a fuel, insurance, the time you pay all that to make any money at all, your price for your shows has to be so high that people don't think you're worth it. The three of us got together. We all shared one band. We each did about half an hour show each and just led one act right after the other and shared one band. We started off with two buses for a while, then we went down to one. Uh, so, so we really cutting costs allowed us to go out there and work our tails off, and I loved it. I talked to a few artists over the years, and one of the things they would tell me was, in their heyday, uh, they would be sitting on a tour bus, and somebody would come knock on the door and walk them out, get them on stage, and they would do the show. And now things have turned around just a little bit different to where they drive their own bus, 
They set up their own gear, they do their own sound check, and then they do their own show. So it just kind of to show you that it, it, it takes that full circle from from your early mm-hmm. days prior to signing with Curb uh, to yeah. hitting some big stages and doing road tours. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, in your case, you left the industry, chose your other career path as a police officer, and now you're getting a little taste of radio life again. Uh, do you enjoy it? Does it still have that same passion? I would say even more. Uh, it, it, this go around to, uh, to even be, you know, ask for interviews and things like that. Uh, it's, it, it even means more to me now than it did then. Well, I have to tell you again, another, when I, when I put you in that, that group of people that are most humble and you can see that that there's a passion in what they do and where they want to go. You posted a video on Facebook, and you had no problem letting your heart yeah. back on your sleeve again. That that touched a lot of people. I mean, it was amazing to see that many yeah. people come in and and see Jeff open his heart. I know, and and there were. Yeah, I did it for. You know, you know how stuff on you know, everyone has most people at least our age has Facebook. And you know how the memories pop up from year after year will pop up in your memories, mm-hmm. your feed. And uh, more than anything, I just wanted that. I wanted March fourth, twenty twenty one, to to always pop up for me that you know I I'd gotten back on the top forty. And uh, yeah, I couldn't help but let the emotions get a little of the best of me. But uh, I thought, I don't care. You know, it's raw. It's the way I was feeling right at that time. And, and I posted it. And I guess it struck a chord with people. That, you know, not all cops are robots. Oh, not at all. Um, we have a long list of, of PD and FD people in our lives where you just have to appreciate what they do. And, 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 and again, full circle, what they do outside of what they do is amazing. Um uh, the there's this brotherhood uh, that says, okay, how how can I continue and, and keep helping? So I don't I don't want to put you on the spot, Jeff, but I'm going to ask if the door opened once again for for hitting the charts and hitting the road and 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 your passion of music, would you leave the PD to come back to country music, or are you going to keep this as that fun, passionate hobby? Man, I've learned in all my years that uh, whenever I say I would never do this or that, I always think, uh, well, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I never say never. I never say never anymore. There, there's just a few things I, I could positively say I would never do. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, let's just say I would love to be able to work in music to the point where I could back off of something else. Yeah, Music has always been and will always be my number one uh, dream, my passion. And you got a taste of it over your lifetime. You got that, you got to chase yeah. it. You got to chase it. You, you hit the top of the charts. I mean, how many people in their career can say they had a number one hit and it was not, you, you Jeff Carson will never be a one hit wonder. You know what I mean? You had, a, you had a <laughs> slew of hits after. So that kind of uh, yeah. puts things into perspective. You know, our favorite saying in the world is you know how to make god laugh right (laughs) that's right well he's got to laugh when he looks at our lives right that's right if you want to make god laugh you just tell him what your plans are and then he'll get he'll he'll have a little (laughs) chuckle hey jeff it is so good to speak with you just know that there's 
this old country DJ who's had the opportunity to shake hands with so many people uh, still admires the hell out of you. And then to leave country music to go in as a police officer, I can't wait to see what's next for Jeff Carson. And if you don't mind, I'll I'll do that creepy thing and uh, keep following you on Facebook. <laughs> and if you don't mind a text every once in a while, I'll check in with you just to see how you're doing. And, and again, thank you for taking the time to speak with me after 25 years. It's an honor. Thank you, Chris. And maybe we can get back on the road someday, hit the stampede, and get in trouble again. <laughs> you can count on it. Jeff Carson, thank you. You've been listening to the Hot Country Podcast, a service of the Highway Station. I invite you to visit hotcountrypodcast.com for more information on our sponsors that keep the station and the podcast on the air. In full disclosure, I am an Amazon associate reseller, referral member with Passport America and Surfshark, and do earn revenue from qualifying purchases, so thanks in advance for helping. Hot Country Podcast can be heard on the highway station and can be downloaded from anywhere you find your favorite podcast. I'm Chris McKay. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another edition of the Hot Country Podcast.